<laughs> All right, so I'm here right now. So I am tasked to deliver the Lord's message tonight. By the way, to those who do not know me, my name is Vincent, and I am leading the young adults ministry in this church. So I've been trying to run away from this calling. <laughs> I guess um, you can always run away, but you can never hide. Um, Pastor Joe asked me over a year ago to deliver the Lord's message for just a break. And I never obeyed until today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I tried running away for a long time. But here I am today, being in front of everyone. So, and I just hope that I don't put you to sleep tonight. So as my father-in-law told me, if it's your first time giving the Lord's message, it's either be too short, too long. So let's find out tonight, okay? <laughs> All right. So um, Pastor Joe asked me um, two weeks ago to this uh, a week ago to discuss about success. Wow, I think I'm the perfect guy for that, right? <laughs> so I have that thing really. But as I was preparing for this message, um, I came to find out that success is pretty subjective, okay? What's most important really is your success towards God, right? And one thing too, um, I here at 4 p.m., at 3 p.m. this afternoon, and every single guy or woman that come into the church asked me, are you ready? <laughs> and my answer was, I was never ready, okay? Until 6 a.m. this morning, I was still looking at my notes, and my preparation, and you will never be ready for God. But God will make you ready, though. He will sustain you. He will give you strength. That's why I'm talking now. I'm kind of pressured. <laughs> but anyways, let's talk about success. So the title of the message tonight will be in line with our series in Pursuit of Happiness. The title is Success, pursuing success that matters. So what are the success that, are, that really matters? Okay. So we all have goals in life, right? At one point in your life, you, your teacher asked you probably when you were in grade school, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. Or what kind of person you want to be? I had that too. When I was in grade school, my, my teacher always asked us in the first day of the school to state your name and your ambition. And I always proudly say, I want to be a lawyer. Right? Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm not a lawyer right now. <laughs> I'm a nurse because my mom told me to. <laughs> oh, okay. Hi, mom. <laughs> Um, so, um, the, the world today defines success mainly by measuring the amount of wealth, power, and popularity. A person obtains this world. So, worldly definition of success are very deceptive. It's very deceptive and tragic because they focus on what is fleeting and passing and ignore what is lasting and eternal. Do you agree? Right? And growing up, my view of success was quite typical. And it's quite the same with what just said. Right? I wanted to be a lawyer. I envisioned myself to be a really famous, successful lawyer in the Philippines. Okay? Um, maybe a crop lawyer. <laughs> Who knows? But God had a different plan for me. Right? So I envisioned having a big house, mansion probably, um, a beautiful wife, God I do, right? Um, and good-looking children with nice wheels. That's my definition of success growing up, right? That's the picture of a successful person. And I think I'm not alone with We all have that goals, right? In life. Okay, I'm sweating now. <laughs> so, 
I had it all laid out. I had a blueprint of what's going to happen to me when I graduate high school. I'm going to go to this certain university and I'm going to be a scholar that I will graduate and become a lawyer in 10 years after high school and be a lawyer for a good company or help other people who are poor. Right? Uh, but God has a different plan for me. My mom called one day and said, you will become a nurse, okay? Right? And you will come here in the States and earn good money. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's never enough. <laughs> all right? So, we all had dreams and vision of a successful person. Oftentimes, we work hard to be a person, and our goal becomes our motivation. Right? So, we set out a goal, and we work on it. We work hard, right? Sometimes you want the house, so we work six days a week, seven days a week, 12 hours each day, right? Just to attain those goals. So our understanding of true success will impact your goal in life. Do you agree? So it will impact the goal, your goal in life. So if your understanding of success is about money, then you pursue money. If your understanding about success is fame, then will you pursue fame? Your understanding about success is power, then you'll probably enter the politics. So different kinds of means. And there's nothing wrong to be successful. It's actually, it's God-given, and it is God's desire for us successful. God don't want you to be poor or broke forever, but God has a different definition of success. At the end of the day, no matter what it is, our understanding of success has something to do with happiness. Okay? So happiness. If we take a closer look, we will see that our pursuit of success is the desire to be happy. So that what's, that's what motivates us. You're, you all probably have goals right now. You're thinking, when is this guy going to be over so I can in and out and eat good burger, right? So we have different goals and that's what motivates us. So in Psalms, in Psalms 34 verse 5 reads, those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. What does that mean? So really, our success, a Christian, a Christian successful person our desire should be with God, right? Because he, He's the one that gives us the satisfaction. He's the one that makes us happy. So, so the question is, what really makes you happy, right? What really makes you happy? Is it God or is it the world? This world, to be honest, especially nowadays, has so much to offer that we think in a superficial way can produce happiness, right? So, for a lot of people, what makes them happy are pretty worldly. Um, for example, many for many, happiness means drinking. For the young lads here, just like myself, um, we say YOLO, right? You only live once, so be happy, okay? So, for others, be traveling. People, there's a lot of backpackers nowadays going from different, one place to another, pursuing happiness, right? So people really work hard so we can do things that we think will make a person happy. But a famous Frenchman, a famous French mathematician, Blaise Pascal, reminded us that all men seek happiness. This is the motive of every action of every man, right? So every action and everything that you do, it has something to do with happiness, right? For, us, for our family, we, if you're ahead of the family, you go to work to provide for your children, for your wife, right? And that's because they, you want them to be happy and you want your family to be happy, okay? So, the, um, so including those, actually, I read this article that our motivation 
people's motivation, every single person is happiness, even including those who commit suicide. Right? Really, they committed suicide because they couldn't find happiness. Bottom line. Anyways, I work as a psych nurse, by the way. So I deal with people that has depression, people with suicidal ideation. And really, one, one reason that they commit those acts is because they couldn't find meaning in life. They couldn't find happiness or joy, right? So nowadays, our culture is all about self-discovery, right? And self-help. You agree? Right? It's all about that. However, the results has been questionable at best, right? We are more technologically, intellectually, and financially advanced than ever before in human history. And that's based on science, not based on okay. We are told to find ourselves, to please ourselves, to define ourselves. So it's all about me, right? It's not nothing else but just you. But we've all in short. I have this... Um, I got this from RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, and it says, yet the indicators of human flourishing are in free fall. Suicide, depression, divorce, anxiety, and social dislocation are at all times. High, at all times high globally. It is so-called era rights, yet there are more slaves now than ever before in history. Increasingly powerful mobile technology sees us more connected than ever before, right? So I couldn't imagine me and my wife were apart from quite some time, and I couldn't imagine if there's no messenger, right? Or there's no FaceTime, right? We think that it, we are connected, but loneliness is the greatest cause of teen suicide globally. How is that? We claim to be on the march of moral perfection, and yet we killed more of each other in the 20th century than in all 19 preceding centuries combined. Our moral condition remains as ever, dangerously untethered, and our technological advances have made our struggle even more visible, even more obvious, right? So... This is a suicide statistics in the U.S. in 2017. So suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. How sad is that? In 2017 alone, 47,173 Americans died by suicide. Not including the undocumented one, right? And in 2017, there were an estimated 1.4 million suicide attempts. In 2015, because of suicide, it cost the U.S. $69 billion. And this is just the recorded one. You know, so while this data is the most accurate we have, we estimate that the number is even higher. Because stigma of suicide is still there. So we don't want to tell anyone that you did it. Right? So, it's so sad, and we claim that we are good, and that at this time now, we're, the, we're at the best, we're at our prime, right? So, why did that light turn off? <laughs> okay, so, so what is success really, right? What is success? Is it popularity or is it money? So, as Christian, redefine success because obviously, this is not, and this is very alarming, right? So, and then, if you've noticed in the social media or in the television, new famous people that seems to be successful commit suicide, right? To name a few, Robert, um, what's his name? Robin Williams. He seems happy. He's a comedian. Spade. He had it, she had it all, right? She has the money, she has the brand. Everyone knows her, but she committed suicide. So Dwight L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody reminded, reminds us that our greatest fear should not be of failure, 
but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. That's pretty sad, right? And that's very scary. So the reality is most of us do not understand what true success really is. The Bible reminds us of example of success that's really empty. So let's, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn it into Ecclesiastes. Okay. Okay, there you go. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 4 to 8. Okay. Um, I don't want to kill you to boredom, so let's all do this together. Okay? In my count, one, two, three. I enlarged my work, I built houses for myself, I planted vineyards for, I made gardens and parks for myself, I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees, I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate to a forest of growing trees, I bought male and female slaves, and I had homeborn slaves. Also I possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Also. I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male, female singers and pleasure of men, many concubines. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 10. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor and this was my reward for all my labor. So a lot of times we think it, our mentality is that way. Since I work hard, I deserve this, right? I deserve to be happy. I deserve to have these things and I deserve to travel. But this guy had it all. As you've noticed, he built houses, plural, vineyards, plural, gardens and parks, plural, right? And he has pleasures of men, many concubines, right? Mmm, that's all. <laughs> men, I hope that's what we, we, I hope we're not leaning towards that, right? So this guy had it all. He has 700 wives and 300 plus concubines. So if you schedule that every night, that's going to be a problem, right? <laughs> so how are you going to schedule that? Every two years? See one... One, and then also this guy's going to probably have his favorite, right? So it's complicated. So don't make it a problem for yourself, man. right? So this guy, he has the girls. He has, he has everything, basically, right? But, and do you know that there, in, in recent history, we have a prime example of this kind of guy. Anybody knows this guy? Getty. Um, maybe Pastor Charles do. This is in, nine in 1966. Right? Okay. All right. So this guy, um, Paul Getty, is one of the richest guys in history. Right? Uh, Guinness Book of World Record in 1966 described this man as the richest man in the world. For him, man, money is everything, right? All about money. He's a master of money. He's the master. So if you want some advice about money, go to Paul Getty, right? So, but this guy, was he truly successful though, right? So did you know that at one point in his life, his son got sick of a brain tumor? And it was pressing against the, the kid's eyes. And then he scolded his wife for spending so much money. So that's how greedy this guy is about money. Right? And then eventually that son died. And then, of course, his wife divorced him. By the way, five wives. Right? All, all Five wives. But he's m most famous about his grandson, Paul Getty III. Paul Getty III was kidnapped in Rome. And, of course, the kidnappers knows that this is Paul Getty's grandson. So they ask for ransom, $17 million. But, of course, if you were this guy, 
Are you going to give $17 million? Okay, no? <laughs> I, I will. Right? He has a lot of money. But man, this guy is a master, as I said earlier. He negotiated. He don't want to give $17 million. That's too much money. So you know what the kidnappers did? He started sending him envelopes with parts of his grandson's body. And he, they, they wrote him a letter. If you don't pay ransom, we'll start sending you more envelopes with your grandson's parts of the body, right? So it's pretty, it's pretty, if I were him, I would already pay even a billion dollars. But this guy, nope. He negotiated some more, right? And eventually, he fi finally paid the kidnappers. You know how much? Three million. <laughs> this guy's good, right? So three million dollars, he paid them. Um, and then, here's the worst thing. When he, Paul Getty III made it back to the U.S. and he became an adult, he charged him three million dollars with four percent interest. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Right. So, so this guy is a master. For him, Paul, for Paul Getty, his definition of success really is one-dimensional. It's all about money. What he said before he died, that he will exchange his millions for just one successful marriage. So that only means that money never made him successful, never made him ha happy, right? So no wonder, um, no wonder... A lot of us who are pursuing money and pursuing fame will never be happy. And a lot of the celebrities who are famous are committing suicide, right? Um, C.S. Lewis here. Oops, wrong one. C.S. Lewis um, once said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing, right? So, and from the, Bible, from the Bible, in John 15, 5, it's, it reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, source of happiness and success really is from the Lord, right? So, how many of you, I have a question here. I hope it works. How many of you, Believe that you can bring your money with you or your wealth in heaven. Yeah. Well, how many of you believe that you cannot bring anything with you when you die? Okay. Well, if you do believe that you can bring your money into heaven, don't worry. You're not alone. This guy, that he told his wife, he told his wife, Hey, wife. I die, I want you to give me all your money. Okay? Put it in a coffin. I want it all. So, some time came, he died, and he wrote a will. He wants his money. So they buried him, and then the people was intrigued about his will. So they asked the wife, did you follow his will? And the wife said, yes, I did. I wrote him a check. <laughs> okay, it worked. All right, so <laughs> no wonder with all the things that we discussed so far, no wonder that in Ecclesiastes 18.19, it reads, Thus I hated all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun, for I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise, a wise man or a fool. Yet, he will have control over all the fruit of my labor for which I have labored by acting wisely under the sun. This too is vanity. So, this guy who we thought had it all described all the things that he accomplished in this life as vanity, which means empty, right? Leaving, but one thing we can learn from this man though, um, one thing we can learn is, what can you leave behind that will last forever, right? 
can you leave behind that will last forever since we know that we can't bring anything, right? So how about leaving eternal legacy? Leaving eternal legacy, right? So le leaving eternal legacy means that if you're, a, if you're a father or a husband or a wife, that your loved ones or your children understand who God is and what life is all about. So we don't really think, but the, the sad thing is that our definition of success is pretty shallow. We only think through, uh, we only think of a short term. It's not eternal. And this is not just for the non-Christians, but even Christians think of shallow success, right? So we have to redefine success, right? So that's why we have to find out what does it really means to be truly successful, right? What is true success? So that's the introduction, folks. <laughs> oh, bear with me. As I said earlier, it could be too long or too short. So first, True success begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I hope that, will, that is true to everyone. So true success begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. True success begins with obeying God's command to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. John 3, 16-17 reads, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. And I hope that is true to everyone. Because you can never find joy apart from God, as we read earlier in John. Right? If we abide in him, he will abide in us. So it all begins right here. And it's free. You don't have to do anything. You, the only thing you have to do is believe. Repent and confess your sin. Right? So what else can we ask for? He gave us eternal life already. Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, he has given you eternal life. Our salvation, our salvation is the most important thing that you can attain in this life. And I hope that's true to you. Right? So, Jesus not only satisfies our deepest needs, that of rescue. He's the only one that can rescue us. He also satisfies our deepest desire, those of belonging, purpose, identity, and fulfillment. Okay? So, John 10.10 10 said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, they may have life. And that's Jesus saying. So, truly, Jesus is the only one that can make us... Truly, sorry about that, the laptop. Okay. Anyway, so, truly, Jesus is the only one that can satisfy us, right? So, and one, one other thing, that Jesus, that God designed us for, okay? So when it comes to design, did you know that God created us, human, to worship? Okay, that's, what, that's one of our purpose, is to worship the Lord, to glorify Him. So His desire for us to become Christ-like. So if you already received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then His desire for you is to become Christ-like. Nothing else. But if you haven't, then it's about time. And that time is now, right? So, how to be Christ-like, though? It's through spiritual disciplines. It's through your daily quiet time with the Lord. If you want to be Christ-like, spend time with the Lord. right? Through prayers, through reading of your Bible. And coming here on Sunday. That's one important thing, most imp one of the most important, right? So, as believers of Christ, our actions and our goal in life has to be aligned in Him, with Him, 
many of us today does not have a clear definition of a true success. So, but I praise God for Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul reminds us um, that so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home, whether we, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So goal right there, to please him. So it's very clear for Apostle Paul that his purpose in life, no matter what you do, is to please him. Right? That's our design. So secondly, true success is obeying what God wants us to do. What does God want you to do? If you have, and what does God want you to obey? So that's the question we are going to find out. In 1 Samuel 15.22b, it reads, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than fat rams. Right? Do you know that the highest form of, of worship is obedience? Okay? Can I hear amen on that? Amen. amen. Right, so um, doing is the outflow and the byproduct of our being. It refers to our mission and public practice of obeying God's command and to fulfill our roles and our calling. So if you call yourself a Christian, you better be obeying, right? Because when you receive Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, it comes the byproduct is obedience. It comes with changes in your life, right? So you start obeying Him. So, true success has to do with obedience and doing what God wants us to do. For example, for us husbands, God's will for us is to love your wife as Christ loved the church, right? So, you better do that. Right? And for wife, submit to your husband. And for children, respect your parents. Right? So different kinds of command that we are supposed to be obeying. So one pastor once said a pastor once said that he can delegate he can delegate speaking and teaching, but he can never delegate being a father. Right? I can never delegate being a husband. So, and, and, and that's true for Pastor Joe and Pastor Charles, right? You can delegate as he just delegated to me, <laughs> right? But his, but his responsibility as a father to his children, he can never delegate, right? So, so I hope that we get that, right? So, and for finances, what does God want us to do? To be responsible stewards, right? He wants us to take care of what He entrusted us. He wants us to obey Him in giving, right? So many Christians want, the, the sad thing too is that many Christians nowadays wants to serve God, but in their own terms though, right? That's pretty sad. Many Christians want to serve God in their own terms and their own convenience. So, but that's not how it works because God laid out what he wants us to obey and do. If we really refer to the Bible, it's all there, right? So be careful and better find out what God wants you to do. So one of the most important that God wants us to obey is the Great Commission. So I thought we're talking about success. Now we're in Great Commission. Okay. <laughs> This is one, if you really want to be successful, then obey God in this. Great commission. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to all that I have commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end end of age right so that's one most important thing that jesus commanded us before he went back to heaven so if you're a christian and you're not 
spreading the good news, then you have to start doing so, right? Because it's a command. It's never an option for us. Right? I'm not ready. Need more prayer, right? But you'll never be ready. As I said, I wasn't ready coming up here. And God always works. God is always at work around us. And He presents us opportunities for us to share the gospel. Right? And we shouldn't be ashamed. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. Right? So that should be our attitude. Is we shouldn't be ashamed of Him. Because when Jesus walked into Calvary, and when He was hanging on that cross, He was never ashamed of you. You are the one that shouldn't be hanging on that cross. Right? It is me that should be in His place. But He took it all right, for your sake and mine. Right? So this reminds us that we shouldn't, um, sorry, we please God when we obey His will. And our goal is to please Him, right? And on my third point, true success is being intimate with, the, with God. True success is being intimate with God. So, what does, that what does that mean? Right? So, intimacy, I look it up in the dictionary, means to be closely, to... Uh, which means close familiarity or friendship or closeness. Right? So that's what it means to um, intimacy means. So we become intimate with the Lord as we continue to grow in our relationship with Him. How do we grow? How do we grow? By spending time and knowing Him more daily. So here's the secret in growing and becoming more intimate with the Lord. It's in the Bible again. Joshua 1.8. Let's all read it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate day and night, so you may be careful to do according that it is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So you want to be successful? It's right there, Joshua 1.8. Right? So the secret is the word of God. And, and our intimacy with Him. Another prime example of a Bible character that was successful is the story of Joseph. You all know Joseph, right? Joseph the dreamer. Genesis 39.2 The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. So Joseph became a slave. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. And this time he was sold into his Egyptian master. But you know, the secret of Joseph's success is on the first line. The Lord was with him. And that means that he is intimate, that he has the right relationship with him. And he was obedient to God. Right? He never complained, Lord, again, you sold me into slavery. He never complained that people betrayed him, right? He just obeyed. So, the key to success really is the intimacy with God, right? It has been repeated in the Bible that those people that, was, that successfully served God, an intimate relationship with Him, such as Moses, Abraham, Jacob, and to name a few, right? So they all have that personal relationship with him. So, and lastly, okay, wow, thank God. Thank God <laughs> they're probably thinking that. Right? So true success is to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into, your, into the joy of your master. Don't you hear that from the Lord? Don't you want to hear him say, Joe, you did well. You're a good and faithful servant. Right? Because for me, that's all I want.
to hear from him. When I die, that's all I want to hear from him. That I did well, that I was faithful servant to him. Right? Again, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis reminds us, you know, C.S. Lewis wrote the book of Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia. Said there that all their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover of the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great who goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. So if you think that life ends when you die, mm-mm. Chapter one's just about to begin. That's just the begin that's just the cover page, right? Because we will live forever. You might die physically, but your soul lives forever. Right? God's definition of true success includes a preparation for eternal life and not only a life in this world. Right? So be prepared to meet God. Right? In Luke 12. 19 verse 21, it reads, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample good, you have ample good laid up for many years. Relax, eat, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, who will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and not rich towards God. A lot of times, this is who we are. We all want to lay up treasures in this life, right? So we want to be really successful in material, material things. But we forgot that life doesn't end in, in this physical body. We continue to live forever, right? So this guy in Luke had it he built up more barns and he said, I can relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And for a lot of times, that's our philosophy in life. Just chill on a Saturday or a Sunday. Forget about church. There's another Sunday next week, right? It's football or Super Bowl this Sunday or maybe NBA finals, right? So forget about church. Especially in the Philippine church, it, it always conflicts with, with the Super Bowl. <laughs> so you can never watch Super Bowl if you belong to this church. But those things doesn't matter because it is God who calls and who dictates when, when, when and where you die. Right? So it is Him. It could be one step... It could be later or tomorrow or a month from now. Who knows? It is God decides. So life in this world is very, uh, is very is temporary. The reality about has an amazing power of altering one's one man's desire for what is important and what's not. So when our time is up on earth, we will all leave behind everything that we have. So, one day, we will see God face to face. And his question to each and every one of us will be, what have you done in the body? What have you done for me? Right? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 and 10. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Right? So, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So, notice the pronoun, we must all, in verse 10. We must all. Again, it's not an option. Every time the Bible says, we must all, then that's not an option. Right? So one day when you leave this world, you will face God and he, we will appear before him into the judgment seat of Christ. Right? 
So Paul is referring here to Christians. Okay, let's not get this confused. So Paul is referring here to Christians only. We are not exempted. So we will give account of our life. Many of us Christians think that when we come to know the Lord, that's it. And no more judgment. Right? So that's, some, that's the reason why we abuse grace. Right? Once saved, always saved. I can do whatever I want to do now. Right? So I will please my desires. I will please myself. Because I'm saved and nobody else can take it away from me. That's true. No one can take away your salvation from you. Right? But the Bible is very clear that when it comes to the penalty of hell and penalty of sin, that judgment is done. That has been done by Jesus. So if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that penalty, you've already been accepted from that. You will never go to hell if you have Jesus in you as your personal Lord and Savior. Right? You're, you're good. You have the ticket to heaven. But, but, okay. So Jesus died on the cross and took the penalty for our sin. But how you and I live our life, how we behave after knowing God, knowing Jesus is equally important. Right? It's equally important. We are now talking about accountability to Jesus. So this is what it means. It's our accountability to Jesus, right? So it has to do with rewards. It has to do with rewards. It has to do with what's going to happen to you when you see him. So salvation is free. Let's not confuse that. It's totally free, right? In John 3.16, Jesus died for your sake and mine. Okay. Um, salvation is free. Our sin is we're forgiven because of Jesus has done in the cross. There's nothing you can earn. There's nothing you, you, you can do to earn forgiveness. All my sins has been paid for. However, how I live my life now that I have Jesus, the, the Bible is very clear. That we must all appear in the judgment seat of Christ so that, so that, so that each one may receive what is due. Okay? So, if you are serving the Lord because you want to please Him, then that will go towards your reward when, you, when, you, when Jesus asks you what you have done for Him. Okay? So, you see, um, one day, let's look at... Let's look at this this way. So one day when I die, I will be accountable for myself. I will not be accountable to, for my wife. Or I will not be accountable for my mom, my dad, or my brother. And it will be the same to you as well. You will be accountable for yourself and nobody else. Right? So, and you will, you will answer Jesus you will answer him of what you have done for him. Right? And he will give us what is due for us. Right? So there is compensation and there is reward. God is absolutely fair. Right? He's saying salvation is free, but rewards are different. Okay? Therefore, we make it our goal and make it our ultimate objective to please him. So if we get reward when we get to heaven, then we make it our goal to please Him. So, here you go. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. once said, If a man is called to be, to be a, a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, Here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Right? So, 
And I pray for all of us, Jesus, one day will say, you're a good and a faithful servant. Come into, my, into your master's joy. So again, true success begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You will never find joy and happiness apart from him. Secondly, true success is obeying what God wants us to do. And third point is true success is being intimate with him. To discover him more. Because you can never outlearn God. Every time you read the Bible, you will pick up something different. And lastly, true success is to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. I want to end with this lyrics from a song of Life Means So Much by Chris Rice. In the eyes of God, we're all fair. There's no, nobody's rich, nobody's poor. So every day is like a bank account. And time is your currency. So no one's rich, nobody's poor. We get 24 hours each. I'm going to start singing this now. So how are you going to spend? Will you invest or will you squander? Try to get ahead or help someone who's under? Church, will you invest or will you squander? your time. The choice is yours. Let's close in prayer. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we just want to praise you and we thank you, Lord God, for who you are, for you are true, for you are faithful. Lord God, we just want to praise you for defining what truly success is. I pray, Jesus, that this, we make it our goal to please, to please you and we make it our goal to glorify you, Lord God. And this will be the objective of our actions, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that we pick up something from you tonight. Thank you for being in our midst. And I pray that we will apply what we have learned tonight out there, Lord God, when we are at work or when we are with our family. We commit to you the rest of the night. Thank you for being in our midst, and being in our fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.